Well, after a long hiatus, this is two times this week that the podcast is back. So thanks, everybody, for hanging in there. Mike Stavlin, thanks for your constant encouragement. Got a nice note uh, from one of our one of our listeners. Mike. Oh, nice. Yeah, and he, all caps. He was shouting. Shouting that good, encouragement. The Common Good Podcast is back. He's uh, And Joe, we sure hope Joe is uh, back on that treadmill. And uh, we're going to try to give you a full workout today. Sorry to bring such bad news, though, you know, on our second time back <laughs> that uh, the twice impeached document stealing, insurrection inspiring uh, failure of a president wants to do it again. Donald Trump uh, yep. last night said to everybody, you know, America was better when I was the president. You, you know what I remember, Dan? I'm, I'm going to get all wistful here. I'm going I'm to just lean back in my chair like this. And I'm just going to I'm just going to remember old times. The good old days. I remember when Republicans would say things like, what makes America great is the hardworking people. It's not the politicians. It's not the elected officials. It's us. Mm-hmm. It's we the people. Donald Trump seemed to imply last night that everything was great when he was president and is horrible now that he's not because it's all about him being president. Yeah. And that just in and of itself, as I lean back and relax a little bit into the wistful memory lane. Doesn't seem like something any Republican would say. <laughs> right. The bootstrappers, you know, the kind of people that I do it for myself. I do my own work. I get I get the job done. I don't need the government. I'm not going to live in the nanny state. That crowd. Right. Standing out there with their cell phones that they didn't make and we're holding them up and uh, taking videos of the old man saying, uh, everything was great because I was around. You are helpless without me. Is the message like? What? what how, how have you even gotten along? Are, are any of you even eating? <laughs> are you bathing? Are you caring for yourself? Are you Are you doing anything at all? Uh, really, quite, quite, quite remarkable. Yeah. Uh, and again, the idea that this man, who while running for re-election as the sitting president of the United States, couldn't win, thinks maybe after I inspire an insurrection am again impeached for my behavior as president, am under multiple investigations that will likely turn to indictments, when the company that I have been running as a scam operation for the last 30 years is in federal court today with the controller of the company admitting to their fraud and tax fraud, he thinks I should run again. I mean, it's truly... It is narcissism on a level that is just incredible. Um, uh, it's uh, it's shocking. I no longer have any fear that he could win the presidency, like I did in two thousand, you know, sixteen. I thought, man, what if what if we have to live with eight years of this guy? Yeah. Um, now it's just like, oh, run, baby, run, run, run like the wind, Donnie. Uh, <laughs> get yourself on every ballot you can, so that it's a gift, really. Just, I mean. And just make those Republicans finally come to grips, finally have to deal with it, finally have to say to themselves, we have to put him away. We've got to just lock him out. Or he's our candidate. And America again says, really, Republican Party? This is the guy again? You had all these other choices and you went back to this guy yeah. uh, who was bad at his job the first time. And honestly, did, did you did you happen to watch it? Did you... Did you watch no, it? No, I just you, I caught some clips. Fox channel? No, I did not. Well, uh, <laughs> trying to watch my uh, blood pressure, you know. Just... Dan, Dan, watching uh, Rob Ryersey, uh, co-host of the Watch Party last night that we did, um, drink himself into a into a slither <laughs> was was well worth it. But but it was also worth uh, hearing uh, the the former failed presidential candidate say the things we accomplished were things like China. <laughs> The Middle East, the Abraham Accords. Honestly, I thought this guy was all about America first. I really thought, <laughs> I really thought he was going to come out and tell us about America. Mm-hmm. Here's a classic Trump line from last night: "The American Dream." You don't hear you don't hear that word very often anymore. And they said, "Oh, I, I mean, two words." I don't want to be like Joe Biden. Two words. You don't you don't hear much about the American Dream anymore. Like, really? You don't hear much about the American Dream? 
think I hear about it every day. Fact, spend a little time <laughs> down on the border that you try to put up a wall uh, uh, across. Uh, they'll tell you about the American dream. All those yep. people trying to come in the country to you know make make a better life for themselves, make a better world for all of us. They'll tell you about the American dream. The guy literally says nobody talks about the American dream anymore. <laughs> I'm not president any longer, and people don't even have well, a dream. Well, the dream died. America. Yeah. The, what it's does he say? Dead. Like he did for the American people. I like. What do people say that he did for them? You know, we should pull a uh, clip of of uh, uh, Huckabee's of, of Mike Huckabee. You know, father of uh, the soon to be governor of Arkansas, Sarah Huckabee yeah. Sanders. Um, who I didn't honestly know if she was running to be governor, or if she wanted to be the superintendent of her daddy's Sunday school. I honestly <laughs> couldn't tell. <laughs> Uh, you didn't think I was going to get to use that joke again? No, I thought you uh, would have to <laughs> retire. That one away. I've been working on it. I got it. I nailed it. For um, the listeners, we heard that joke about forty times on the tour. So I tried to use that joke a dozen times with the with the people <laughs> I was traveling with uh, to use it for the uh, as you know a little commentary about the, the race that Sarah Huckabee Sanders was in against a very great candidate, Chris Jones. And no one thought that was funny. That, um, <laughs> but by the end, uh, we thought it was funny uh, that you kept trying, you know? I'm committed to it. Like yeah, Donald no, Trump, I'm... even if it doesn't work the first or second time. Here. <laughs> Three times. <laughs> Three times. Um, Mike Huckabee has a little bit that people are making fun of him on, on from his radio show. He has a, like a podcast or a radio show or something. And they take listener comments. Uh, people write in and they read them. And these comments were brutal about him. I mean, they were just like, mind your own business. Your daughter is a liar. She lied for the president. Like, just straightforward. And then he responds to them. It's really quite hmm. quite impressive. Uh, we, we we should look at that. Some of our more positive and not so positive. Uh, hey, Kev Joy, good to see you back. Uh, Kev Joe. Mike Huckabee went on this little rant about the stuff that Trump did. The things that he said were so great, uh, I didn't think were great. But at least there was an argument to be made. Okay. And it was old school stuff, you know, it was stuff like he got rid of, pick a number, I don't know what he said, three or five or seven or nine. He got rid of X number of regulations for every new one that was put in. Okay, that's a classic like libertarian Republican argument, right? That we want to deregulate our yeah. society. Um, so that's the kind of thing that he talked about. Of course, they all talk about, you know, the tax breaks that put $4,000 in, in your average American's bank account, which is just hilarious, right? Um, they, it, it did, did the opposite of that. It did just, just absolutely no good. And then they were, you know, he was talking about, um, uh, jobs, all the jobs that were created, that, that kind of stuff. Um, which, you know, you get credit for tax, for tax breaks, but outside of that, there's not a lot that you get to take credit from when it comes to a bustling economy, unless you somehow want to make an argument that, that the Trump administration did something to fundamentally change the economy. It's the, again, it's the hard work of the American people that we used to be told was the driving engine behind the economy because the era of big government is over and we don't need the government to, to do anything, but just get out of the way. And if they get out of the way, then everything will be fine. Um, so apparently that's not the case. <laughs> anymore. But that kind of stuff, you know, just classic Republican talking points, you know, the kinds of things that you would expect someone to just say if they if they buy the Republican, buy the Republican line. So that's and then he just went on and on 39 minutes of just boring droning. Oh, it was just it's just terrible. It was really quite low. Low energy would have been a, a compliment to it. Mm. Uh, I think um, painful and boring. I heard, and I can't verify this, I just heard that this, this is what people were reporting this morning that folks were in the room and tried to leave during the speech and the security wouldn't let them leave. <laughs> they made him stay. Uh, they made him stay in the room. Can't open the doors till he's done. Nobody leaves. Nobody leaves. These were That's invited the hostage guests situation, trying, though. <laughs> trying to get out. Wow. Well, this little this little bit that was in the, the Borowitz um, uh, cartoon or Borowitz uh, comedic bit is pretty great. The headline is, Trump tries for a historic third impeachment. <laughs> I mean, just a perfect land. Uh, uh, that this guy, uh, in all, if, if, he's, if he's president again, there's no chance he's not getting impeached again. I mean, that would just be, he will do many a thing uh, 
that would cause him to be impeached. He could actually yeah. be impeached if the Republicans keep control of the of the House. He's that he's going to just be that bad. And he's it's the one thing he's good at. Actually, you know, it's the one thing he's done better than every other president is just to get himself impeached a couple of times. Yeah, just um, do illegal things. He's yeah, just, great at that. Just. just Disregard you, you, any you, laws Don. or standards yep. or ethics. Blow right through them and just say, you know why? You, you know what? I'm smart because I cheated the tax system. Yep. Oh, how's that? How's that going today, uh, Mr. Trump? While well, your company is being sued by the government and they're going to claw back millions and millions of dollars and then in and then invoke criminal penalties because you're smart. Remember in the debates when he said, "I don't pay taxes because I'm smart." <laughs> No, you didn't pay taxes because you lied and cheated. That's why. And every Republican that has had to pay taxes and this guy didn't should be saying to themselves, why are we voting for a cheater and a yeah, liar? I don't. I literally don't get stuff like that. Like this guy thinks he's better than everyone else, thinks the rules don't apply to him, thinks that he doesn't have to contribute in any way like the average American citizen does. I I don't get why they still like him. Like I, I, I just, hmm. I am with you. I don't, I don't understand it. But look, there's 74 million people who last time when they were now, this is before he was uh, uh, fully bared out uh, supporting an insurrection, and before he said, "I'm go, I will pay for the legal bills of the insurrectionists, or I will pardon the the January 6th attackers." So before that, there were 74 million people who chose to go to a voting booth or fill out a home ballot saying, I want that guy instead of Joe Biden. That's amazing. That's a big number. Out of 350, 370 million people, something like that in the United States, not all of whom can vote, of course, but I don't know, out of 220 million voting people, that's a big number. So it's, you know, true as it is, uh, he lost. He lost by millions of votes, but he still got a lot of people to vote for him. more people than voted for any other sitting president before because turnout was so high in that election. Mm -hmm. uh, so he didn't get as many as, than, as the person who got the most votes ever, which is Joe Biden uh, <laughs> from his basement. I mean, it's so easy to get votes. You can just sit in your basement and you'll, you'll get 84 million. I mean, I don't know why, you know, I don't know why Trump thinks it's such a big Yeah, why does he get all the accolades? To get his little bitty number, uh, which isn't enough. Remember back when after the election, uh, after the insurrection and there was an impeachment and then by the time they had the trial, Trump was out of office. And seven, I think, of the senators voted to convict. And the others, not to have enough for conviction, said, well, 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 look, the reason is because he's out of office. He's already it gone. Serves, it serves no purpose. The primary purpose is you never get to be president again if right. you commit such a dereliction of duty. These people who said it was a dereliction of duty... But he's already out of office, so it's just a technical thing. You know, you can't put the horses back in the mm -hmm. barn. Why spend all the money on the lock after the horses got away? Like, let's just, you know, cut our losses and not pay for the new lock on the on the barn door. I wonder how many of those people who want to run for president themselves now are thinking, yeah, <laughs> of course he was going to run again. Because remember back in those days on the 7th and the 9th and, the, and, and February 4th, people were like, this guy is so done. Like, people won't even talk to him. Oh, no, no. He announced his third run for presidency mm -hmm. yesterday to a room full of people. Where the former vice president, whose life was put in jeopardy because of Donald Trump's behavior and Donald Trump calling the crowd to, you know, uh, uh, find Mike Pence. Not just find him. Yeah. Well, he said find him. Yeah, yeah. Other uh, people it, took that to the next level and erected a gallows. and Yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll hang him. Yeah. For being a traitor. Even Mike Pence in this brief moment of backbone, when he was asked, do you think he should ever be president again? Couldn't come out and just say, no, he should never be president again. His answer was, I think we'll have better choices. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? For like to a guy, like he throws you under the bus, not in like even a metaphorical way, like he's sending the crowd after you to possibly murder you and you can't stand up against him and say, oh, this guy probably shouldn't run for president anymore. Don't have to say anything else about him. Just the position that he was in when he used that position to put my life in jeopardy and to try to overturn the free and fair election, he shouldn't have that job again. You couldn't even bring yourself to say that. 
I mean, he, he kind of smirked his way and smugged his way and uh, yeah, you know, intimated that, that he's going to be running himself and so on. He might run against Donald Trump. Yeah, did you see so, that he he did like a whole town hall, Mike Pence did? And like, I didn't watch it, but I was just like, why? Who is giving him airtime? Why, why is uh, this a yeah. thing? CNN is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, you know, okay, so, I mean, this is the hard thing for all the news channels yesterday, even when Trump announced his his candidacy. Some of them didn't even know if they should cover it or if they wanted to cover it. And they were like, you know, it is news when a former president decides to announce a reelection bid. That just on the front sure. of it is news. And it's really news that a guy who's you know, being is is potentially going to face criminal charges for his actions as president said, I'm going to run again. And when Mike Pence decides to run for office as the former vice president, I don't know. Now, he hasn't announced yet, so I think CNN maybe could have waited for the town hall until they said, oh, no, this guy's, you know, really um, is formally offering himself to the American public, so he's worth listening to and hearing. Um I just think the press has a, is in a, and the media as a whole has a very difficult uh, road in front of them to decide how much airtime they're going to give to Donald Trump or how much airtime they're going to give to Mike Pence or any of the other people that were behind the Stop the Steal uh, actions. And while, while you can say, and I do want to say, look, Mike Pence stood up that day. He did the right thing. He made sure that he didn't try to stop the electoral count and all the rest of that. He also did not come out publicly and be a public force against it. You know, which he very well could have done, and hasn't really done it until this, even up to this day. He really hasn't spoken out all that, all that forthrightly about it. So it's just, it is, it is truly something that now in November of 2022, not November of 2015, certainly not November of 2016, six, seven years later, dealing with this guy again, Dan. There were. There was a person who delivered a baby when Trump came down the escalator. That kid's in second grade. This kid was born, lived through infancy, got through preschool, finished up kindergarten, and is a second grader. <laughs> and in this little sweetie's entire life, this joker has been president, been running for president, been president, or still running for president. Still running. It's unbelievable. I mean, that's the problem with an eight-year presidency overall. Have I ever told you my, my theory on this, that I think we should have five or six-year presidencies? And no. They, the, yeah, five or six years, no okay. re-election, and the presidency should become a bipartisan position. Mm. As soon as you are elected president, you now represent everyone, and you step away from all all the partisan things that you would do for a party. You're not out there fundraising. You're not stumping for candidates. You are doing the business of being the president of the United States. I think it would go a long, long way. And then you let the parties have it out. And the parties can nominate their person for president. But then once the person becomes president, they're like, in the hmm. same way that you can't use the White House itself to do campaigning, right? So you can't call from the White House. You can't use White House staff people to do your campaign, re-election campaign work or campaigning for anyone. You have to do all that stuff in the residence on your private time, right? That's the idea is that, you know, the president, when the president is doing presidential duties, they're representing all of us. And then in their off time, they can politic like anyone else. I think the presidency should be more like the Supreme Court where the person's function is statedly not partisan. And I think then that would allow us allow people to rally around the behavior of presidents and what they're accomplishing or not accomplishing in ways different than what we currently do where the person is the head of the political party. Hmm. I think the the executive branch is unique and um, that the person uh, who's in that office should be sponsored by a political party to get there. And then once they're in, they should step away. That's, my That's interesting. And yeah. uh, it'd be interesting too if they if it was just one term... And there's yeah. no constant, like, you're already starting to campaign yes. the day after you're elected kind of thing. Like, if you and, could and, just, your internal calculus could be uh, just doing the right thing. like Sort of like you're supposed to do as a, <laughs> right. as, a as a president, but especially as a lame duck, like after you've won re-election, then all your re-election pressures are yeah. off, right? That's how it's supposed to go. But mm -hmm. then they're still responsible for the party. And they're on one side or the other of the partisan divide. 
And I think it would be a really powerful thing to uh, think about our presidents in their role uh, as step, just stepping aside from the from the battle, yeah. from the back and forth. Mm-hmm. And they could still say, "Hey, I'm a Democrat. I'm a Republican." Yeah, you're not. We're not pretending you're not one of those. But your job is not to be the head of the party, and your job is not to go out campaigning for mm-hmm. uh, you know your. Your, your future co-workers or not. Yeah. Um, and then, because then the Senate doesn't have to have, th- th- then you're not just running on the president's and the president's approval rating to impact the legislative branch. Mm-hmm. See, to, to get nerdy about it for a minute, we're supposed to have three three branches of power, executive branch, a judicial branch, and then a legislative branch. And they're supposed to be equal. And they're supposed to sort of, you know, um, snuggle in together like little nesting dolls, but they're not supposed to get all mixed up with each other. Mm -hmm. That's how it's supposed to go. But when the president is political, especially, then the president is on one hand bidding for the executive branch uh, authorities and, and work, but is also working with only half of the Congress or sometimes less than half of the Congress as the one for whom they want to see the greatest level of success. I just think it confuses things in the country, turns everything political and the politicization. Um, the politicization is not always a problem, but it would be nice to have one position like the presidency because it's the only one that everyone in the country gets to uh, elect. And it's the only one whose jurisdiction really or constituency is everyone. So it just seems like, man, that would be a really nice, uh, a r- really nice feature. Yeah, of course. Matthew points out, is SCOTUS really the best example of nonpartisanship right now? Well, thank you very much. <laughs> See, that's Matthew. That's exactly what would happen. You'd get somebody, you know, say you got somebody like uh, um, Donald J. Trump. He wouldn't. He would just blow through it. Just skip it. Wouldn't care. Just like he did in the White House, where he used the White House. He ra- literally ran their convention from the White House. <laughs> just violated all the norms, yeah. all the rules. Yeah, it's, <laughs> that's yeah. right. Uh, yeah. we, there would be an occasion where, and and what, but what we're all noticing, Matthew. Let me l- let me just think about this for a second. What you're noticing about the Supreme Court is that's not the way it's supposed to work. It's not right. They're supposed to not be so partisan like they are. The fact that we notice that tells us we can get back to something. It's, that might still be the uh, the proper approach yeah. to all this. Um, so, yeah, I haven't brought that. I haven't brought that up in a couple of years. I've been just so fixated on trying to stop Donald Trump from ever being elected or from, from ever being reelected or now again reelected. Uh, yeah, that's the and, thing. There's so many other like systemic fixes that need to happen but we're just doing triage we're just trying to keep the very bad people from doing very bad things so we can't even dig down and fix the underlying issues well and then connie brings up a good point here you can throw this one up connie says uh sure you know the six-year term instead of a four-year term and it's no re-election but imagine the damage someone like trump could do in six <laughs> yeah, years so that's years. a good point Touché. that's yep. a good point i guess yeah. i should rethink this and say it's a three-year term <laughs> and uh, or yeah. or I don't know. There's some scale by which the the amount of votes you win by determines how long you get to be in office. There you uh, go. <laughs> that's that's the other thing. Hey, I've got I've got one other fix while we're at this. While we're at the toolbox of what could fix our politics. Okay. When it comes to Congress, so both the House of Representatives and the Senate, it's we know this very clearly now because of what you were all paying attention to on the on the election. It's a fifty percent plus one gives you all the power of that branch of government. So the Senate, even if uh, uh, Raphael Warnock is not reelected, the Democrats will keep control of the Senate as long as the 50 senators continue to caucus with the Democrats because it's 50%, 50-50, plus one vote, which comes from the vice president. So the Democrats are in control of the Senate, which means they set the agenda for everything. They determine who's on what committees, what bills are going to be taken up, what judges are going to be passed forward, all of it. They control, have full and total control of what happens in the Senate. Same thing at the House. If the Republicans do indeed get to 218 vote uh, seats, which they might happen tonight or tomorrow when these counts come in from California, 
or the Democrats will squeak it out for 218. This has been for the last couple of years, the Democrats have been in charge. They've had total control of what goes on in the House of Representatives. What bills are going to be passed, what bills are going to be voted on, the committees, everything. It's all or nothing. So one whole part of our political system, it's been this way the last two years, the Republicans have had no leadership and no influence on anything going on because of X number of votes. And that's where the problem lies, I think. Hmm. I think we should figure out some means by which both the House and the Senate is more proportional in its power by how many seats are, are held. So you know, I'm, I'm not so right now it's 100% goes to 50% plus one, right? So all yeah. the power goes to whichever side gets one. I'm not saying it should go 50 50, and then if you have 53 seats, you know, in the House or in the Senate, you get 53%. I don't know, it's maybe 80% if you've got, but they got to have a little something for the other party to cause them to act better, to act more responsibly, to be more engaged. Because what we know is, 50% of the voters voted for some of these people who then barely won, or 48% or 49% of voters, probably a better way to say it, mm -hmm. voted for people who then lost. So not only does it mean that a whole political parties in the House and the Senate don't have any control, don't have any input of what's going on, their votes kind of don't even matter. It's why there's the filibuster in the in the Senate trying to make that a 60-vote margin instead of a 50-vote mar margin on certain things they're going to be voting mm -hmm. on. But it means that 49% of the population sometimes feels unrepresented, right? So it's bad enough that your candidate lost. So for me, I'm really disappointed that certain Democrats lost their seats. But now it means the Democrats aren't going to have any control over decisions made in the House of Representatives for two years. That's just not... The, this all or nothing swings that are happening in this very closely divided country where on voting it's swinging from one side to the other. It's, it's just too much consequence going in, going into this. So little adjustments like this could be made to allow people to feel a bit more represented, even when their party doesn't have the 50% or, or greater margin. Yeah. I wonder too if there are more ways to incentivize working together, whether that's, mm -hmm. you know, you end up with these massive bills where you have to get everybody on board mm -hmm. and there's a little something in there that no one's really comfortable with, but you got to pass this or, mm -hmm. or else. Yeah. And I know that if you just piecemeal everything, if you take all the little chunks and you vote on just funding for roads or whatever, right. that right. it leaves some important things unpassable or whatever. Yeah, all right. But how do you split the difference to where you're not, you know, I feel like there's so much more common ground that we get at if it weren't just used as a bargaining chip. Yeah, and, and, even, and even which bills are brought up for a vote, yeah. So here's this other rule that happens in the House of Representatives. And if you kind of nerd around and watch too much cable television <laughs> or read too many articles, you, you start to hear these phrases. It's often referred to as the Hassert rule. And this is a callback to a former uh, Speaker of the House uh, named Dennis Hassert. And he inserted this rule. And now it's just kind of become the thing that Nancy Pelosi has used and that Boehner used and others have used. And the Hassert rule says this. No bill will be brought before the House unless the entirety of that caucus wants the bill to be brought. Huh. So not only is it a 50%, like power goes to we're 50% plus one. So in this right now it's the Democrats, God forbid in a few weeks, it could be the Republicans. If they keep the Hassert rule in place, it will mean that they can't even bring bills that say 30% of Republicans and 30% of Democrats would vote for, mm -hmm. be 60% of the House, the bill can't be brought because you don't have huh. the majority, it's either the majority or 100% of the, of the House of Representatives supporting it. So you say to yourself, how do you build these, like how do you build yeah. some other coalitions, right? Mm -hmm. Where there might be something like gun reform or there might be something like immigration. Yeah. And 
you've got enough people on all the sides that could come together and make a deal, but they can't move it forward because the internal rules of the House of Representatives says you can't bring any bill that's not supported by the entirety of the caucus because what they're trying to do is keep the very power in place that I'm suggesting needs to go away. Yeah. Right. By saying the other people get a little power because you could always have some coalition. Somebody could be drumming around out of the 435 members of the House of Representatives and like, hey, what do we got to do to get like 218 of us, 219 of us in, in on this bill here? Could we could we whip up a deal? But instead, the rule is only the people who are in charge can put a bill forward. Mm -hmm. So there's all kinds of bills that would pass. Yeah. That would do good things that neither party can get forward because somebody in their caucus, it's Democrats now, it'll be Republicans perhaps in, in next month or two months. And those things will never even get a hearing. Now, so is this that's a, the, one of those real rules? Like it's written down no, or is this no. just the informal, like we're not going to waste our time? That's why they call it the Hassert rule. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. And it's like the Hatch Act. And these sometimes they're an act that it's actually, you know, like there's a law. No, this is just a rule. This one's just... They could decide they to do started away doing with it, it and, yeah. at any point. Now, there's reasons why they like it. When Nancy mm -hmm. Pelosi's challenged on this, she's like, look, what I'm doing is keeping our caucus together, and this is how you do it, and what we don't want is, you know, I, I don't want to have to deal with all these other... But this is something that should be changed. And um, I, I, it's it's talked about, and it's it's in, in the House, that's sort of like the filibuster over in the Senate that people talk a lot about. Mm. The filibuster in the Senate, you, you know, is the 60 vote. It's kind of the opposite of this, right? Some bills you have to get to 60 votes to be able to pass it because someone can just stall out the voting on it by just saying, I'm calling a filibuster, and then that's just sort of it. We don't have 60 votes. And kind of demanding a 60-vote threshold, mm -hmm. which the people who support it, the filibuster say that's a really good thing to keep the, all the power from being just in the 50% hands. And that's what makes the Senate special and all their stuff about this. I think a lot of that stuff is nonsense. But that's the argument is the filibuster is trying to make sure that anything that gets passed is going to have at least 60 votes behind it. Mm -hmm. Right. You're not going to do stuff that's just passing on a party line party line vote because the Senate wants to see themselves as a more deliberative body that's above all that and sees right. itself in pretty different. But over in the House, they've got their same thing. It's, you know, the thing that Hassard put in where it was, okay, I'll keep my caucus together by making sure that only things pass that we all, that we all support. Uh, and we won't, we won't be fracturing our caucus by a bunch of you out there making, you know, deals because there's a bunch of these little caucuses that are together, you know, the, the problem solvers caucus or something like this, you know, where they've got 30 or 40 members from both, both political parties uh, that are joining together and trying to put forth bills. And they're like, well, Hassert rule is going to keep that from happening. So if we end up with new leadership in, in the house, maybe Kevin McCarthy will do something about it. If we end up in, you know, with new leadership in the house, because it's uh, the Democrats and Nancy Pelosi chooses not to run again for the speaker could be somebody else. And uh, so, th so these are kinds of, you know, changes that you could see, right? Mm -hmm. You could, make the presidency less political. You could make the, the, the legislature more uh, accommodating to the minority, to, to, to the losers. And it's just gotten worse. All the partisanship has gotten worse because of structural decisions yeah. that have been made. When Mitch McConnell, when he was the president, when he was in, uh, in the Senate, said to you know, Barack Obama, we're not putting forward any of your judges. That's just horrible. He shouldn't yeah. have the ability to do that. The, the, the head of the Senate shouldn't be able to stop the head of the executive branch. That's not the way it's supposed to, it's supposed mm -hmm. to work. But that's what they did. So there's all kinds of really bad shenanigans going on that could be structurally changed if we can't just swap out some of these candidates and, mm -hmm. and, and elected officials and all. Yeah, for sure. But you know who's not thinking about any of this stuff? Donald J. Trump. That guy. <laughs> If yeah. you said to Trump, what are the five ways you could maybe make things work better in the between the executive branch and the judicial branch uh, or and the uh, legislative <laughs> branch? You think he'd know any of them? No. I don't think he'd have a single idea, honestly. No, Not a, no. No, no, elect me. Uh, just put, put me in it. charge of all of it. Yeah. yeah. I'll yeah. fix it. Yeah. Hey, I wanted well, to get back to something you mentioned how media they're having trouble talking about donald trump like what do we cover what do we not mm -hmm. cover and uh it reminded me of this headline and then the first sentence 
uh, of this story from NPR, where the first sentence is, Donald Trump, who tried to overthrow the results of the 2020 presidential election and inspired a deadly riot at the Capitol in a desperate attempt to keep himself in power, announced he is running again for president in 2024. And I just thought, wow, that is a strong opening line. Have come a long way from what they used to do. And it was, remember when they were really concerned about even saying the president lied? Yeah, They wouldn't yeah. even go so far as to use the word lie. They would just say, he's a hard time with the truth or his facts don't comport with the reality. <laughs> right. And then yeah, they just they stopped dance, that and they were yeah, just like, like, no, he lies. He's just a liar. No, he just. So for NPR to start with, is that an editorial or is that a, is that just a, Regular old. No, I think it's news a regular, article. yeah. Just a regular news article. Um, I mean, the, look, I think all that stuff's true if I'm reading it right. Who tried to overthrow the results of the 2020 presidential election. Yes, he did try to overturn the results or over, overthrow is even stronger than overturn. And then it goes on and he inspired a deadly riot at the Capitol. Yep, for sure he did. But the, but those are things that you know the media has not wanted to say. Right. They haven't wanted to land uh, conclusions, moral conclusions on things like this. Mm-hmm. Announced that he again is running for president in 2024. I mean, just back to the emotional level of this guy, the risk he is under right now. If he is denied this nomination... Yeah, because there's a real chance that the Republican Party will say, you you lost, but hit the road. If they're smart, they'll do that. (laughs) Yeah, if they're smart, they'll do it. They'll pull him off the mound and get somebody else in there, to borrow a baseball analogy from Mitt Romney. Yep. Do you think he's hoping that... Do you think Trump is hoping that they will stop him from running so he can be the perpetual martyr... That's my theory. My theory all along has been that the way this is all going to end with these indictments is that Trump's going to have a plea bargain. It's going to keep him out of jail, but it's going to mean that he can never again serve serve in public office. And then he will say, I was running for president and they stopped me. And then he just goes on the rest of his life saying, I would have been the greatest president. And of course I would have run. And if I, if they had let me run, I, I would have won. And this was unfair. The same thing he did, you know, when Michael Flynn uh, the former disgraced general in the U.S. Army. Full stop right there. That's enough. I didn't have to go on to say, you know. <laughs> convicted disgraced. and then pardoned. Yeah, convicted and then and and uh, pled guilty. Had to stand before a judge and say, I did the things you're saying. I did the things that I'm accused of and I take full responsibility for them. And then was pardoned by Trump and then says, Michael Flynn then says, I didn't do any of those things. So he either <laughs> lied to the judge in court saying I did them to get a lighter sentence mm-hmm. or he's lying now. Well, Trump will do the same thing. He will say, I admit to the guilt for this plea deal so I don't go to jail, whether that's going to be what went on in Georgia, whether that's what went on in uh, other interference, what that went on with the uh, January 6th or what went on with the documents. Put all that stuff together. It could be these massive indictments that he's facing. He's, no one wants their former presidents in jail. So they're going to come up with this deal. Mm-hmm. It's my theory. And then he's going to say, oh, I should have, could have, would have won. Uh, <laughs> well, Tom asks in the chat, how can someone who is under criminal investigation for an insurrection and numerous other things even run for president? I'm baffled. Yeah. I, I share that bafflement. Uh, the criminal well, we investigations how. into his his company should, it seems like that would be enough to say, uh, you can't run while you're, until we get this cleared up, at least. Yeah, but I can, okay, so two things here. Maybe Tom is saying, why would someone, I mean, it's so obvious that there's no way you could win with that in your history. Or he's saying maybe the laws should be that you can't run while you're under investigation. And the problem is that because of our presumption of innocence, which is sacrosanct in this country, he is assumed innocent. Even when charges are brought, legally speaking, he is assumed innocent. And the government then just then has to prove his guilt. He doesn't have to prove his innocence. Mm-hmm. That's really important. And so if you were to say, well, someone loses their rights because they're charged, 
not because the charges were proven, then you've moved the consequence to the, not the conviction stage, but to the charge stage. So we can't, we can't have someone not be able to run while they're under investigation because investigations need to be free to investigate and investigate. And then they can bring charges. And then when charges are brought, then the person goes through all the due process and a jury or judge will then determine the guilt of the person. And at that point, they lose their rights. They can't lose their rights at any point before. Now, this is important, not just for, for Trump. This is a thing that happens to a lot of people. Do you know there's a lot of, there's some states where it's still legal to not hire someone or to fire someone from a job if they've been arrested? Hmm. Not if they've been convicted. No. If they've been arrested. Wow. In in Minneapolis, where, where I live, it's legal for, well, this was two, seven or eight years ago. Something may have changed. I don't know. When I was a landlord, it was legal for me to have in my lease that if you are arrested on our property, if the police come to this property that you're renting and you're arrested, you can be evicted. Hmm. For being arrested, not not for being proven guilty of anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think we should have laws where you can't rent, where you're, it's excusable to not rent to somebody because they have a felony either. But this isn't even you've been convicted. This is just you're charged or you were arrested, not even charged, just yeah. just arrested. Picked up by the police, yeah. So there are there are a number of jobs that people can lose if, and people scour like police reports. And if they find the person was arrested by the police, even if they were let go, mm-hmm. it can be, it can be uh, uh, terms of, uh, for uh, being dismissed. Well, that's the, we shouldn't have that, by the way. If, if that happens in your state or if you don't know and you can find out, talk to people who make laws about whatever it is, whether it's job laws or housing laws or uh, any other kinds of laws, that shouldn't be the case, right? People are innocent, innocent, innocent. All the, I mean, look, legally speaking, Donald Trump is innocent of all the crimes that he's committed. We know that he's guilty and, you know, he, he is he is guilty and he did them. Um, and a political legally, party isn't forced to make him their nominee for president. That's true. <laughs> they don't have to. Just because he offered You really don't. You can, you can step away. Yeah. Hey, you know, I think, so obviously he's the... F- First president to run, uh, to lose and then run again. Is that Are, true, or is he just, has there only been the one second to serve non consecutive? That's right. Yeah, he's the second. If he won. Yeah, the first one since yeah, Glover Grover Cleveland or something. Right? Is that right? Is that who it was? I don't know. I'll have to Google it. Yeah, you know, you know, we you know, whose name's not, <laughs> not going to be forgotten. Donald Trump. There's not going to be somebody <laughs> seventy years from now. I'll be like, was that Nixon or Trump? No, they're going to remember who it was. Um. <laughs> Whoever it was, Grover Cleveland, I think. No? Uh, uh, Grover Cleveland, yeah. Okay, Grover Cleveland was the first one to win re-election. But did any other president try to run? Hmm. You know, get their yeah. proverbial, you know, electoral ass handed to him and then say, I didn't lose, I didn't lose, I didn't lose, I'm going to run again. Um, and again, why would a person run again if you think the system is corrupt and built again? I mean, if you think if you think the Democrats made a corrupt system to keep you from being reelected last time, imagine what they've been doing the last two and a half years while they've been unleashing all the horror on America <laughs> that you've been talking about. How do you figure? How do you figure it's any better there, Don? You feel like uh, somehow things got better and a little safer for you to for you to run? They don't. You don't think they're really working up those voting machines? You don't think they're really pumping uh. in the bamboo here to make the uh, to make the ballots uh, ballots different? I mean, it's, it's really always curious too how the the ballots changed to make Trump lose, but other Republicans still won. Yes. Same ballots. Curious. Same ballots. I, well, I, I what I've heard recently from some friends who I brought that up to. Uh, they they say, well, that proves our point. So their point is there's no way they split ticketed these people. There's no way they voted for a Republican for the House and for Senate and then didn't vote for Trump. So that's how we know they just changed the votes for Trump. Wow. Like the thing that we're all like, there's no way they did that ballot thing. They're like, no, that's the proof that they did the ballot. I mean, really, it's tricky, isn't it? Yeah, Uh, some gymnastics. No, it's... but what? Uh, opposite, opposite of what you're saying. <laughs> Remember when you're a kid and you sort of just get that right, and somebody just go opposite, 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 opposite. Do you guys do that? No. <laughs> yeah, that was a great one. You're such a opposite. You are. Uh, <laughs> you are. <yeah. laughs> um, that is the Republican Party. I know you are, but what am I like? Just yeah. 
pure projection, like defensive about crimes they are currently committing. And yeah. I was talking with talking with a, f- a friend of mine about uh, all things political and all this stuff, and uh, he watches a lot of Fox News and listens to a lot of Joe Rogan and uh, stuff. So he's just got a steady pipeline of stuff that's you know conspiracy theory, right wing nonsense, and. So he was he was talking about like the number of trans people that there are in the country and all this. So we had a long conversation about people that are trans and you know experiences that we've both had and people that we know together who have transitioned and just kind of talking about that whole thing. And then he said, "And what about the kids and the uh, declaring themselves not to be humans but to be dogs and cats, and then uh, the schools having to accommodate them?" And I was like, "What?" I said, "I have zero time." And I. That's not like real. The most faint memory of something like that. Somebody said something about a school around here. And then I saw on uh, Chris Hayes' show on MSNBC last night, they did a little bit about the person running for Senate, uh, I think up in like Vermont or something, was one of these people that raised this idea that children are... Identifying not, as cats. And so schools installed uh, litter boxes. Yeah. yeah. That's not true. Not a thing. No. No. Uh, 100% totally not true. The 17 different people running for Senate raised it. Uh, it's just incredible. Incredible. If you dig down even just a little bit, apparently it comes down to this. Some schools bought kitty litter, not because kids were identifying as cats, but because for long lockdowns, like mm-hmm. active shooter lockdowns, that was the bathroom option. Oh my goodness. If you're locked in your classroom for four hours, that was the potential solution to have kitty litter. So instead of it being a condemnation of the fact that we have laws that allow for people to come into schools with guns and to create a whole category of live shooter situation, rather than saying it's ridiculous that these schools have to have kitty litter so that kids can urinate in that while they're terrified for hours because the police don't have the wherewithal, the skills, or the the confidence to enter these rooms, Uvalde. Mm-hmm. Instead of that being the critique, someone is like, it's because now transgender people have eliminated the whole category of male and female, so now people are thinking that they're cats. That's where it goes. Yeah. Just unreal. Bonkers. <laughs> And so that's this the friend thing, of mine like, uh, is a very reasonable person. I mean, not an unreason, not an unreasonable bone. And it's just like, why is this happening? That schools are doing this stuff with gender and with non-human identity. I'm like, what? Yeah, <laughs> they're, like they're point so to the like, school. Point to the school where this is happening. Show me. But when guys on Joe Rogan and somebody, some senators on Fox News yeah, and is saying it, someone's sending it out in candidate. their deal. Senator can't, I mean, people running for, like, that are on the ballot, not like somebody that wants to be the Senate candidate, the official candidates of the Republican Party saying this stuff. Mm-hmm. So you just say it is, th- th- that's a whole level of disinformation that just makes this absolutely yeah. unreal. Yeah, you're hey. not even starting with the same baseline of what are facts. And hey, we're doing this a little later today. You know, often we're, we're, we're doing this in the morning. Uh, it's four o'clock central time right now. It's almost dark outside my window. I glanced up over here I, where my window is. It looks really dark. And I thought, oh my gosh, I wonder if it's after 630 because our grandson's coming over 630. I wonder if it's already 630. No, it's four o'clock. Four, four o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> Feels like midnight. It's four in the afternoon. <laughs> and uh, I live in Minnesota. So at four o'clock in the afternoon on the 16th of November, at, and we're not even done getting dark early. It's not until the 21st of December. We've got another yeah, month got where it's time. just going to get darker and darker. I mean, did it's, you not guys quite, get, it's not black sky yet. but Did it's, you guys get snow today? We got like a blizzard today. Oh, no. Tons no, of tons Sloppy of little inches. Sloppy little inches. Uh, but there was a big storm front that came through, and people don't know the geography. It goes from Minnesota and then over Wisconsin, over a lake, and then right into Michigan. So it probably... Yeah, Is that we, same? We got that lake effect snow, so picks up all the moisture over the lake and dumps it right on us. Hey, I try to create a lake effect in here too. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a guitar player now, so I'm all worried about my guitars. I know you're not as a longtime guitar player and your humidity level. 
uh, almost boy, completely I, unconcerned about humidity levels. I am. Uh, I'm. I, it's like I'm the guy. You know, going down the rabbit hole of you know kids' <laughs> litter boxes at school uh, on the humidity level of guitars. So I I have a uh, humidifier, new humidifier in my little Got one of the little down, oh full for the full room. Oh, it's a full room humidifier. Yeah, okay. yeah. Because they make those ones where, you're like, you put it in a case and then yeah, you put a then thing you in have there. Yeah, have in your some, case. You can't look at your guitar yeah. on the wall. And then it's some magic somehow. And I'm like, I don't know how that works. I want this thing to push air, water into the air. I want it to be spurting water in small. <laughs> it to be little, a jungle down here. <laughs> yeah. This. Uh, if, so in coming weeks, if it's just dripping with you know 60 degree humidity in here. I want this thing to be just like a, you know, we go to those guitar stores and you walk into that special room and it's just like, whoa, wow, they've got this humidity yeah. up in here. So uh, I don't know why I brought that up. Hey, uh, uh, <laughs> I'm going to go play pickleball tonight. And, All right. Uh, you're, you're a big pickleballer, aren't you? Love it. I think we should start a little segment of this, uh, one of our days, and make a little pickleball day. And say to all of our people, say to say to Gar and Tom, and uh, I'm going to go through the list of uh, Zoe and Connie and uh, Kathleen and Joy and Jojo. Oh, such a great name. I have a good friend named Jojo. Uh, uh, Sheila, all, all of you. If you're not uh, Kev, Joe, if you're not yet playing uh, uh, Kayla, Rich, if you're not yet playing pickleball, sweeping the nation. It's the next big thing. I think we should start a little, uh, you know, a little pickleball segment. Maybe just a little, uh, you know, a little, little bit with some some tips and some stories. There we go. And I was and I was looking it up on on the website for the this club by my house where they've added pickleball courts to this health club because it's sweeping the nation. And they have a picture, you know, like a header, like they have an old classic website, you know, big picture across the top, and then it says pickleball and mm-hmm. lifetime pickleball and all this. And there's four people in it. You can see the heads of three of them, and they are all gray-haired people. <laughs> because really, it's a really lifetime it. sport. It's I really feel sport. at home. Yeah, yeah you, can, <laughs> you, can play, you can play this one all you want. So if you're not very athletic, I think this is your sport, uh, pickleball. Yeah, it's like and, tennis, but on a ping-pong-sized paddle. It's like With a bigger ball. Yeah. And no table. It's like ping pong and tennis combined. No table, but smaller court, smaller paddles. And a wiffle ball is roughly the kind of ball it is. One of those, if you know, wiffle ball is plastic balls with the holes in them, often yellow for whatever reason. And yeah, and then you play like you're playing tennis with some uh, adapted rules to make it even more fun and so it's kind of like racquetball. It feels I mean, ping pong or racquetball. I guess that rack that thing feels a little. Little in between, but awfully fun. Do, do, do you know where the, the name pickleball came from? Do you know how it's called? The guy's pickleball? Uh, the inventor's dog, right? Like that's what I heard. Yeah, who knows yeah. if that's real or if the internet told me the that. dog loved the game. Some of these people just made it up. They're like, We got a small little spot out here, let's make up a game and we'll use <laughs> maybe it's even ping pong paddles and a wiffle ball and let's just make up another game. It's you know, it's not all the time when new games are made. Yeah, like new, like, especially new sports. New sports like, that stick. Yeah, yeah. Like like uh, what's the what's the ultimate frisbee? That's one of those that like in the last thirty oh, yeah. years or forty years is new and like mm-hmm. is caught on and is a real thing. But you know, most sports they've been around. You know, for, I don't know. There was a period of time when we made up sports, and now we don't. I don't know when that. <laughs> well, I don't know why that all stopped. But but pickleball is like one of those. That now they, you know, people are professionals and, and all. But it's just adorable that it's not named after the ball. It's not named after an activity. I mean, think about how it sports are It is not a pickle-shaped ball. No, that's, that's true. It's a sphere. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. There's absolutely no pickles involved in this game <laughs> at all. No pickles were harmed in the making I, of this game. I, th- I, I thought it was maybe pickleball because of, uh, like... Oh, you get pick- put in a pickle? Pickle in the middle? You play yeah, that game? Like, yeah. Um, but that I doesn't thought, make sense. You know, either. I don't, yeah, whatever. I mean, you know, but I, I've been confused about, you know, football is not the game that you use your foot in America. <laughs> right. So it's like, and baseball. It's like the least important part of football is the kicking. The, yeah. Uh, and, you know, basketball is a pretty clear one um, yeah, yeah. where the, the ball is named. Then, but then you get into rugby and you get into I don't know, hockey and I don't know, they don't, they're, they're not descriptive of anything. Well, uh, Pickleball is just adorable because it's named after like <laughs> the the dog who enjoyed watching the ball. 
<laughs> and if that, uh, I bring all that up to say, if that doesn't tell you enough about this game and this sport, it's just that kind of cute fun. Get and, on board. Uh, but it's just people that are professionals at it. So, um, yeah, I was watching some professional pickleball the other day. It was intense. Really? I guess like LeBron James just bought either the whole league or a part of the league, like the pickleball league. Really? Like these big name professional sports guys are investing in pickleball. Huh. Well, and and Tom says that they're uh, they're considering putting uh, courts in their church parking lot. Tom, Do I'm it. just saying you got two votes here, my man. You <laughs> you create a pickleball space for people to come play pickleball, and that's a cus- that that that's that's similar to putting in a daycare into your school into your your church <laughs> if you really want to reach the older crowd. Um, and I know younger people play it too, but you know who loves it? The silver hairs. They just love it. And you know who's got time in the middle of the day? And you know who has big bank accounts? The Silver Hairs. That's a great idea. Yeah. You should start pickleball leagues in your church parking yeah. lot. And well, hey, uh, not easy to enough. end our incredible pickleball conversation, but tomorrow we've got a special guest. Wow. Yes, we should have been pumping this from the beginning. Fadl Kaboob, uh, Associate Professor of Economics, Philosophy, and Foreign foreign studies, foreign relations, foreign something at Denison University, uh, where we were on the, on the tour, turns out right on the Denison campus. And, uh, I'd always heard that he was at Denison, never really remember the name of the school. Didn't really think about it, but now I do. Cause I was there. It's just a life lesson once you go there. And, and then I found out listening to a podcast, Steve Carell, the comedian, uh, dramatic actor, graduate of Denison University. Oh. I yeah. feel more connected to. Old yeah, Steven. totally. I, f- I felt the same way. I felt felt like I, I went there myself. Uh, so anyway, Fadl Kaboob, professor at that school where Steve Carell went to went to college and uh, w- that we visited. Not really the point of you know Fadl at all, but uh, Fadl Kaboob uh, is going to come and talk about his uh, expertise in inflation, what it is, how it got here, what we're supposed to be doing about it. Still, so much misinformation going on about inflation. So, um, ready, get ready to have your, uh, your mind blown and your heart filled with hope. Yeah. Hey, we're watching a TV show too with, uh, Denison college grad, uh, Steve Carell. It's on Hulu produced by FX. It's called The Patient. Oh, I've seen the previews. It looks pretty good. Holy moly. Okay. First of all, it's, they're short episodes, 22 minutes, 23 minutes, like mm. sitcom length. Yeah. But it's a drama. Mm-hmm. Just pause for a minute on that. How come our dramas are always sixty minutes and our yeah. sitcoms are always thirty minutes? I mean, I'm saying sitcoms should be an hour. Other than Curb Your Enthusiasm, that most of them don't warrant it. But dramas can be a half an hour, but apparently not. Well, they are now, so uh, it's really great. You can get a couple of them in in a you know in a in a sitting and feel like you're really getting somewhere. Yeah. Uh, so we're in episode five of a ten series of a ten ten episode ser- season, nice. and I don't know if there'll be another one. It's intense. If you're if you're ready for a drama, that's suspense a suspenseful drama, and that's yeah. the other thing is it's not just a drama; it's like a suspense drama. Hmm. Half an hour long episode, less less than a half an hour. Forty-five minutes. I, done, I just you're started you're uh, the Watcher, uh, which is on Netflix, based on a true story. Super creepy. Uh, as soon as I'm done with that, I'll dig into uh, the Watcher. Yeah, it's on Netflix now because it was on some other thing before. It's been produced by Netflix. I think it's produced by Netflix. All right, I'm writing it down because yeah. we're going to buzz. We're going to be done with this thing by Saturday. Well, I have a Twenty-two yeah. minute episodes. Gonna, <laughs> yeah, only well, got five left. It's like two <laughs> nights, and you know, like are we watching two of them tonight, or are we watching three of them tonight? Because right. that's going to be because we're going to because we're going to be done with it. Uh, so it's more like a movie length, I guess. Ten episodes, twenty-two minutes each. Yeah. Said two hundred twenty. It's like a long movie, mm-hmm. um, but great, really great. Nice. Hey, but but tomorrow at ten thirty a.m. Uh, Eastern time, don't be watching it. Be watching this because that's when <laughs> Denison uh, Professor Fado Kaboob is going to be here to straighten out all that stuff for us. Yeah. Is that good? Do we have any comments we need to go through or throw throw back in? Uh, no, thanks to everyone for hanging out with us, though. Appreciate it. Appreciate the yeah, chat. Nice, nice to see you. If you're not already over on uh, on YouTube, uh, we've had this big goal to to reach this certain 
level of monetization and it's going to happen any day now and uh you could just have the glory of your watching be the thing that puts us over the top that we've been yeah. pursuing for seven months. Because we've reached enough subscribers, you can still subscribe if you'd like, but we Please need do. a certain amount of minutes watched. Yeah. It's this weird thing YouTube does. So Yeah, and we just need more people watching our YouTube channel. So if you're watching anywhere else, thank you. Now go over to YouTube and watch this all again. <laughs> Pay your penance. Yeah. Pay your 49 minutes. or How long have we been going? Been going an hour? An hour and one minute. Yeah. Ah, we always try to finish in an hour. I didn't even have a clock running. Just you just feel <laughs> it when it's been an hour. Yep. It's like a drama. They're just too long. Okay. We'll see you. Bye everybody. Bye.